turn with me in your Bible today to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. And I want to just read a few verses. Now, under normal circumstances, we would, of course, be returning to 1 Peter chapter 2. But I've set aside, as you could well have guessed today, that series of expository sermons. We will return to it in the near future. But just for today, I want to turn your attention to uh, this passage of Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 13. And we're going to read from verse 14 right through to verse 21. Second Kings chapter 13 verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek, till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. The man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou had consumed it. For us, now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the band of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that, behold, they spied a band of men. And they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Amen. We trust that God will bless to us this public reading of the Holy Scriptures. I do thank you all for coming. It's lovely to see you. And for those who are visiting with us today, we want to bid you warmly welcome in the Lord's name. And before I bring any other announcements, I want to read out a statement that I have prepared um, in light of the passing of Dr. Paisley. This statement has already been placed on our church website, www.carrieduffreepresbyterian.org. You can look it up uh, for yourself. If you want a personal copy, I can give you a personal copy at a later stage. As a church family, we were plunged into a state of shock and mourning 
on Friday the 12th September 2014 by the sudden passing of Dr. Paisley, Lord Banside. On behalf of the Kirk Session and Committee of Carried Off Free Presbyterian Church, we extend our deepest sympathy to Baroness Eileen Paisley and family, Sharon, Rhonda, Cherith, Ian, Kyle and their families on the death of a much-loved husband, father, grandfather. Together we assure them of our prayers at this time. Dr. Paisley's death marks the end of an era in Ulster. For six decades he stood in this province often alone as a faithful spiritual leader who was fiery and passionate about what he believed in. Ian Paisley was definitely a lover of the Lord, a gifted orator whose words were fueled by a heart full of passion as he proclaimed the one way of salvation through his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Many are asking, what was the motivating factor in Ian Paisley's life? I want to answer that. Three words, or four words. His love of the Lord. From his pulpit in the Martyr's Memorial for 60 years, he sounded out the gospel message under such striking titles as What Think Ye of Christ? Preached in 1968. How to Set a Church on Fire? 1970. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. 1987. Patrick the Man, the year 2000. Light and religious revivals from Zachariah's candlesticks in 2005. These sermons and, and hundreds more are freely available via sermon audio. The Bible reference that he added underneath his signature when asked to sign books or Bibles was clearly a pledge and a prayer. Ephesians six nineteen and 20. As and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that wherein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. As I've said, his chief motivation in all that he said and did was his love for the Lord. We could ask the question today to our hearts, of God's question, lovest thou me? The doc, as we affectionately called him, was also a lover of the lost. From a young age he laboured as a zealous evangelist who covered multiple miles in search of lost souls. He was one who taught this denomination, this congregation and hearers everywhere to love the souls of men. He was equally a lover of the land, a true loyalist indeed, a shamgar for our day and generation. Like a Mr. Valiant for the truth, Dr. Paisley prominently stands in the noble line of the men and women from Protestant Reformation times as he tackled the apostasy and false religion of these modern days. On many occasions he gave lectures on the Protestant reformers. Take a look around the corridors of Martyrs Memorial next time you're there. The very walls themselves commemorate these noble men and women who gave their lives for the cause of Christ in their day and generation. Surely we as a family can say of Dr. Paisley, He served his own generation well. He was also a lover of liberty, a great stalwart in prayer, always encouraging, inspiring people to pray. He hated cold, lifeless prayers. To him, they were the death of the church. And often when we would meet, he would say to me uh, uh, a word that he'd got from God that morning uh, from the Bible uh, when he was before the Lord on his knees. Dr. Paisley was also a 
lover of life, a big-hearted, generous man. I know he would often announce himself, I'm a Balamina man. But his generosity knew no bounds. To this particular church, to the denomination that he founded under God, to preachers and students for the ministry, to missionary causes the world over, to those who were going through the valley of tribulation or even death, Dr. Paisley was a personal mentor, a deeply compassionate, caring man with a pastor's heart for friend or foe. When any individual needed help, advice, a word in season, a confident ear, a shoulder to cry on, Dr. Paisley was always there. He, he was a true friend in time of need. A, a man whose humour, care, and very presence will be sadly missed. The persona, voice, beliefs of the big man, they were instantly recognisable the world over. Even in the realm of politics, he was a political giant. Everyone in Ulster knows the name of the Reverend Ian Richard Kyle Paisley. And even now, Ian Paisley's name has trended worldwide, propelled by the force of countless thousands of tributes and messages. Twitter, Facebook, along with other conventional forms of media, have served as platform for people to reflect on his life and legacy. I treasure fond memories of Dr. Paisley, of my visits to the Easter Convention meetings in the Martyrs Memorial. I still remember my first visit to this day. I was there in my faith mission uniform. The year was 1986. The building was jam-packed. I sat in the balcony. His heartwarming prayers, they were electrifying. His powerful preaching ministry that day will forever be etched in my memory. It was through Dr. Paisley's preaching in Coleraine Free Presbyterian Church I was called into the gospel ministry. In 1999, he ordained me to the Christian ministry in the Martyrs Church and installed me as pastor in this Carrie Duff congregation. After Rosemary and I were married and sadly lost our first child, I took a phone call from him. He prayed with us over the phone. Often when we would meet together at some event or function, he he always asked about my family, inquiring about how they were getting on. When my wife was ill, again and again, he phoned and offered prayer. That's the type of man Dr. Paisley was. In 1976, along with the late Robert Lowe, he climbed through a broken window in this killing your schoolhouse. It was derelict then. It's now, as you know, carried off Free Pristine Meeting House. And he prayed to the Lord to start a Sunday school for boys and girls in the community. And eventually a church to the glory of God. That was the vision. That was the burden Dr. Paisley had. That was the vision and burden that he shared with us. Well, even with much fondness, surely we remember his last sermon to this congregation in 2013. Regarding bringing all the tithes into the storehouse from Malachi 3 and 10. You see, this legacy of our founding father will never be forgotten. The Bible says the memory of the just is blessed. Now, I believe this legacy lives on. Isn't it true that God buries his workmen, but his work continues? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Dr. Paisley prayed for revival in Ulster, for a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. This is what we need. This is what we ought to be praying for. I I think of the words 
He being dead yet speaketh. That's a biblical phrase. Used of Abel. And I'm persuaded. It's used of Dr. Paisley as well. Those high and joyful days yet to be visited on this province and throughout the English speaking world. We can say that now that this good man has received his highest ever promotion. He's promoted to heaven. In a sermon preached by Dr. Paisley on the 12th of January 2003. The first five minutes after death. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. He announced if you hear in the press that Ian Paisley is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I'll be more alive than ever. I'll be singing as I sang never before. In the very same message he spoke of those who pass over triumphantly into the eternity of the blessed. And on the morning of the 12th of September he found himself among that number absent from the body present with the Lord. A verse that Dr. Paisley penned and added to one of our most famous hymns Rock of Ages cleft for me summarizes his current situation. Then above the world and sin. Through the veil. Drawn right within. I shall see him. Face to face. Sing the story. Saved by grace. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me ever. Be with thee. This is the challenge that comes to each of our hearts today. Are we ready to meet God? Are we saved are you saved have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power are are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you ready to hold the torch of truth in your hand for the spiritual and eternal benefit of this generation remember the bible says there's a time to live and a time to die and we never could have guessed the time when God would take Dr. Paisley home This is indeed a time for sympathy towards a sorrowing family whose grief, peers, pain are real. Do remember the Paisley family in prayer. This is a time for sadness on the loss of a colossal giant in the church and the country. A time for soul searching and reflection of the grace and mercy and love of God in Christ. A time to supplicate the God of all comfort to strengthen us in our hour of need. A time to set aside, I believe, personal differences and hurts. There's many of them. Remember, we're all sinners. And unite in grief with the passing of one so great in the Israel of God. As was said by King David, speaking of the death of Abner. Know ye not that there's a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel. I want to say that those words are equally applicable to Dr. Paisley. May God bless us as a church family. I was speaking last night to one of our ministers and he said that very truth to me. He says, David, isn't it like the loss of a close family member? And that's what it is for all of us. Heavenly Father, we just ask thee now as we turn to thy word, that thou will come and speak afresh and anew to our hearts. Lord, as we've already said from the outset of this meeting, our hearts are heavy. 
Lord, we have, we've listened to the tributes of the life and legacy of Dr. Paisley. And Lord, we have been stirred, we've been saddened. You know our tears. You know, Lord, at times we, we feel we're difficult to control ourselves and we just look to thee even for thy help. We pray even for the statement that has been read and for those that will have heard it and for those that will view it online. We pray it might be used even for thy glory in strengthening your people. And even, O oh God, in pointing sinners to saving faith in Jesus Christ. May they always remember Dr. Paisley as a man who loved thee with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. As a lover of lost souls. As a lover of this land. As a lover of life and liberty. And, O oh God, we thank thee that he has gone home and received his eternal reward. His eyes have seen the King. He has gone on Friday morning sweeping through the gates of the new Jerusalem, washed in the blood of the Lamb. We know for him... It's absent from the body and present with the Lord. And oh God, we're still here. We've got to pick up the pieces. Lord, life has got to go on. Lord, there, there has to be a future for this work. And, and, and the work of God in this province and further afield. And we thank thee that the church is built in Jesus Christ. That's the one foundation upon which we rest. We just look to thee now as we wait upon thee. Even for the closing minutes of our time together. That thou will be with us. You'll speak afresh to our hearts. And O oh God you'll comfort and strengthen us. For Jesus sake. Amen. Amen. Now my subject today very quickly. Is the death. Of a man of God. And my text this morning. Is taken from 2 Kings. Chapter 13. Verse 14. And we read there. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. Linking it up with verse 20. And Elisha died. And they buried him. The bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. It has to be said that when Elisha stood in the banks of Jordan after the death of the prophet Elijah. Little did he know the effect or the extent of his impending ministry in the work of God. Before God called him he was just a plowman. You can picture him plowing in the field with oxen. He was involved in the sowing of seed, the reaping of crops. But the minute God called him to the prophetic office, he gave up his plow, he burnt it, he sacrificed the oxen, and prepared himself for the greatest office that any man could occupy, the office of a prophet or the office of a servant of God. And you can trace the life of Elisha. Now we haven't time this morning and we're not going to. You could think about the life of this man. You could think about the legacy of this man. What was his life like? Think of Elisha the preacher. He had a tremendous zeal for God as a preacher of God's word. He preached in season and out of season. He preached when it was popular. He preached when it wasn't popular. He preached before kings, princes and people. Even when they didn't want to hear. It didn't matter. His message was from God. His message was always consistent. He preached what God told him to preach. Elisha was a man in touch with God. God revealed himself to him. God spoke to Elisha. And then Elisha stood as God's mouthpiece. And spoke to the people. Thus and thus saith the Lord. He was a man of the word. He was a man of the book. A man who challenged and rebuked sin. Where it raised its head. Even in his house with his servant Gehazi. He rebuked his sin. 
we could think about Dr. Paisley the preacher. Think of Elisha, the prayer warrior. He was a man who lived his life in communion and fellowship with God. A man who walked with God. A, a holy man of God. A man who lived and breathed in the very atmosphere of heaven. Think of Elisha the patriarch. He was a man with a clear understanding of the times. A, a man who knew what the land of Israel needed. And what he himself under God needed to do. He was a man who often stood between Israel and their enemies. And through his life and witness the, the battles were fought. Enemies were defeated. Victories were won to the glory of God. Think of Elisha the promiser. He was one who was forever encouraging God's people. He was instructing them day and daily to stand in the promises of God. You think of the hymn, I'm standing in the promises of God. He wanted them to put their faith and trust in God and in the Lord alone. He wanted them to take God at his word. He was a man himself who practiced what he preached. He stood in the very promises of God. And folks, all the promises of God are yea and amen to us who are in Christ Jesus. Herbert Lockyer suggests there's 7,300 promises. What a tremendous encouragement that can be. Think of Elisha, the prominent. You see, Elisha spent his life serving God. And in serving God, he spent his life. He lived to serve. He served to live. And when I think of Dr. Paisley as a preacher... Dr. Paisley in his prayers. Dr. Paisley encouraging God's people. Dr. Paisley living his life from he was converted at the age of six till he was called home at the age of 88. He lived to serve God. Isn't it true that no man lives unto himself? He lived for the honour and the glory of God. He stood out. That's what made him prominent. And Elisha was a godly man right up to the end of his days. To the end of his days. He had an eye. He had an ear to the cause of God. He was zealous for the Lord right up to the very end. There was a time when it came for Elisha to die. Just look at verse 14. Can you feel the impact of the words? Now Elisha. Remember he's the preacher. The prayer. The promiser. He's the patriarch. He's the prominent one. He's the man of God. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness. Or off he died. And we read in verse 20. And Elisha died. And they buried him. See Elisha fell sick. He was in bed for a time. I don't know how long. And as a result of that sickness. He died. And we read after his death. They buried him. Now this is a simple statement, isn't it? We, we could say it's a sad statement. Well, we could say it's a solemn statement. It's a statement I believe we want to stop and ponder, want to reflect on, want to consider. You know, as I thought of this very simple statement, and Elisha died and was buried, as, as I thought of the, the sadness of that, Thinking of the impact of the man of God dying. Uh, trying to feel the solemnity of it. I said to myself, there's lessons that we could learn from that. And here they are. And I just want to maybe just throw them out at you. 
haven't really had a lot of time. I had to change the message. I want you to think of the certainty of the death of the man of God. And Elisha died. It's mentioned twice. The word died. You see, in this portion that I've read, there's two deaths here. One of them was Elisha. Elisha died, was buried. The other involved an unnamed man. Two men probably with nothing in common as far as life is concerned. Maybe the exact opposites, different personalities. But both of them died. Both faced death. Surely, as we think about being alive in the land of the living, the only absolute certainty that we have is this. One day we'll die. It doesn't the Bible say there in Second Samuel 14 and 14, for we must needs die. <coughs> and are as water spilt in the ground which cannot be gathered up again, neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banish be not expelled from him, for we must needs die. Isn't this what Paul was getting at when he wrote and as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And let me just ask the question, are you ready to die? If Friday morning at 11.15 or 30 had been your time, were you prepared to meet the Lord? The Bible says, prepare to meet thy God. Are you saved? Are you washed in the blood of Christ? Do you know Christ is your Lord and your Saviour? Have you come and acknowledged your sin and cried out, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner? Notice that Elisha was sick for a period. See, not, not everyone dies suddenly, unexpectedly. Sometimes when we hear of somebody dying, just dropping dead with a heart attack, we say, well, that was a good way to go. At least they didn't have to suffer. But there's others who journey through intense periods of sickness. Those sicknesses can be very long, very difficult to bear with. And isn't it true that God's people often endure sickness and suffering long time, even before the Lord brings them home? We don't know how long Elisha was sick. We don't know why. We just know that God is on the throne. God is sovereign. And we have to say, as for God, his way is perfect. Notice something else very quickly here. Notice how the dead was dealt with. Read in verse 20. And buried him. (coughs) I want you to feel the force of that. You see, (coughs) there was a dignity. There, There was a solemnity about Elisha's passing. They buried him. It wasn't treated flippantly. It wasn't treated in a trivial manner. It wasn't something that was light-hearted. This was a solemn time. This was a time for mourning. A time to stop, a time to ponder. Doesn't the Bible say it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting? For you who are visiting with us, thank you for being here today. We appreciate you coming, getting up out of bed and and coming and, and joining with us in this humble little meeting place. 
We know this is a time for mourning. And as I've said in my statement that's on the website, this is a time for sympathy to the Paisley family. Do pray for them. This is a time for sadness because we have lost a spiritual giant, a colossal in the church and the country. This is a time for supplicating God's throne, getting before the Lord and asking God for his help and his strength. This is a time to set aside personal differences. You know, this is a time to stand before God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I was saying that to some folks yesterday. You know, so often we point the finger and we judge other people very harshly. Look at so-and-so. Look what they're doing. That's wrong. But we don't ever go and tell them. We don't ever go and pray first before we go to confront an individual sin. We just talk about them behind their back and stab them in the back. Now that is wrong. This is a time to set aside our hurts, to acknowledge our hurts. And if we have hurt in the church, then we need to acknowledge that. We're all sinners. The certainty of the death of the man of God. Notice, very quickly, the calamity after the death of the man of God. Look look, look at verse 20. And it says, And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. Folks, this almost broke me on Friday. The death of Elisha, the man of God in Israel, who had been in that land for 60 years, it resulted in tremendous loss in the life of the nation. You see, during his long life, over 60 years in the ministry, Elisha was the most valuable asset to God in the land. He was more important than all of the five kings through which he ministered. He was more important than many had cared to imagine or even acknowledge. As I've said, he lived during five kings. Think of his preaching ministry. Think of his prayers. It was Mary Queen of Scots said that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than 10,000 soldiers. Could you imagine that? A man who was in touch with God. A man who knew how to pray. Think of his passion. Think of his patriotism for, for God in the land. Think of his prominence. This man fell sick. Can you just imagine the talk in the town and the villages about his sickness? Haven't we all been thinking about Dr. Paisley, whom we've heard he's been ill for a few weeks or months? And then to learn that he died. Think of Friday. The impact of the news. Where you were. It was a poignant moment. We'll not forget. I'll certainly not forget. And as I read this passage and I thought of the passing of Elisha, the nation then suffered a tremendous loss. Almost immediately, there was a sea change. There was something fundamentally that happened in the land. I do believe, and I put this in record, just as Elisha's person presence, preaching and prayers and patriotism 
was missed in the land. And the people suffered loss because of that. So we have to say truthfully that Dr. Paisley's person and presence and preaching ministry and prayers and presence and, 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 and patriotism is missed in the land. You see, let me point out something very quickly. When Elisha was alive, the presence of the man of God was a defense against the enemy. He, he was a, almost like a preservation force under God. You, you, you this morning, I, I just make reference, in Second Kings chapter 3 verse 4, the Moabites had to pay tribute every year to the king of Israel. That was like about uh, 100,000 sheep. And he rebelled. He said, I'm not going to do it anymore. He decided to stop. And there was a war. And the king of Israel came together in a confederacy of three kings. You can read it there in Second Kings chapter 3 verse 9. And when they were there, they had no water. And Elisha said, dig ditches. And that's what they did. And God himself through Elisha filled those ditches with water. And the king of Moab woke up in the morning. He looked upon these ditches full of water. He saw it as a pool of red. He thought these three kings had fallen out among themselves. He was rash. He thought victory was his. And he said they've all killed each other. And he rushed into the battle. The king of Israel defeated him. We could really attribute the victory to Elisha. Because Elisha acted like a hedge. We owe a tremendous debt to what Elisha did in his day and generation. And we could say when the land, when he died, the land was defenseless. It suffered loss because the land was plundered. Harvests were stolen. People were taken captive. And this is what we read. And Elisha died and they buried him. And the, hand, the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. You see, there was a loss in the land. The death of the man of God, the death of God's people everywhere, does result in loss. It results in loss for a family, it results in loss for a church, it results in loss for a country. Isn't God's people the salt of the earth? Isn't God's people the light of the world? Isn't it true that the man of God and the individual Christian has a preserving influence in the world? And his life impacts in the world, but his death impacts in the world. Wasn't it God that said to Abraham, if there's ten righteous in the five cities of the plain, two witnesses for each city, I'll spare it. But they couldn't find them. Doesn't Isaiah chapter nine verse or chapter one verse nine talk about a remnant? A remnant left in the land who's an influence for God and good? Elisha was an influence in his clan his church his country and the life of a man of God as I've said is a tremendous blessing in his home in his church life in his social life in the life of the country isn't it true that there's a tremendous value to a man who walks with God a man who knows God a man who knows how to pray a man who lives a holy life a, a, a man who, 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 who loves the Lord a, a, a man who, who, who loves his brother in Christ. A man who is grace to, to admit I've got plenty of faults and sins and shortcomings. A man who stands faithfully against sin, especially his own. That man's life is a great blessing. That woman's life's a great blessing. That, that, that child, a young person's life's a great blessing. But when they die, what a loss. 
a loss to his family, a loss to the church, a loss to the community. He lets his clan lost, his family, family circle. The church loses, a loss to friends and neighbours and workmates. Even though his death's again, there is an aspect where that death is a loss. Wasn't that true of Samuel, chapter 1? Or First Samuel, verse, chapter 25. Samuel died, and they mourned him. That is, they mourned the loss of his presence. Whenever the Lord took Enoch and he was not found, the Bible says, Hebrews 11 and 5. What does that mean, was not found? you know what it means? It means they went looking for him. It means they missed him. It means they searched for him. You see, his Enoch's home called the glory involved the loss. Maybe I could just say this morning to the young people in the church, if you have saved parents, thank God for them. Don't resent your parents. Don't view your parents as the worst in the world. Many young people don't appreciate the fact that they have a saved mother and a saved father who live for the glory of God and bring them up in the house of God. I trust that you'll view your parents differently. Because if they weren't here, what a loss would be to you and to the life of the church. Notice also, very, very quickly, not only the certainty of the death of the man of God and the calamity through the death of the man of God, but the clarity after the death of the man of God. See, let me just make a statement as we finish. God's work continued on even after the death of Elisha. Isn't that tremendous? On his deathbed. What does Elisha talk to the king about? He talks about, verse 17, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Now I want you to get the picture. He's a frail old man. He's dying. He's hardly able to breathe his last. Yet through him there was talk about the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Come right down to verse 23. And the Lord was gracious unto them and had compassion on them and had respect unto them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and would not destroy them neither cast he them from his presence as yet. Isn't that tremendous? You see, God remembered his covenant. God still had mercy for his people. God was gracious and compassionate. Yes, God buried his workman. But his work carried on. That was true of Moses. That was true of Joshua. It was true of Elisha. It's also true of Dr. Paisley. Is there a future for the Free Presbyterian Church? The answer is yes. God's work doesn't come to an end just because the man of God dies and is buried. God's work is built on the foundation that never changes. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11. It doesn't rest in Paul. It doesn't rest in the other apostles. The church's one foundation, as we sing, is Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank the Lord for Dr. Paisley. We thank the Lord that he uses men. He raises up men. We thank the Lord that through them he blesses his work. But his work doesn't depend on him. Dr. Paisley never ever said that his work, God's work depended on him. Elisha would never have said that. This is God's work. 
and God's work will go on. God's work will have a future. God's work will survive. I've heard the questions already. People have asked me, what does the future hold for us as a congregation, as a denomination? Well, I want to say this. If God is in it, God's work will continue. And despite the circumstances we face, despite the difficulties, the Lord himself doesn't change. God is still on the throne. And we have God's presence with us. We have God's power. He is able. God, as I've said, is on the throne. That's his position. God's purpose is always to remember his blood covenant with his son, Jesus Christ. Let me just prove that as we finish. You see, there's a little story told here when the Moabites invaded the land. Some friends were going to bury another friend that had died. And they spied these Moabites. And they got fearful. And this is what they did. They opened quickly the sepulchre, the tomb that Elisha was in. They threw the man in, sealed it up again and run off. But the Bible tells us here, and I believe this is a true supernatural miracle, that the moment the dead man touched the bones of Elisha, he must have been dead for some time to have decomposed in such a way. The man revived and stood on his feet. And I just thought, the legacy of Elisha lived on. His influence has still been felt. Here's a man, because there's a resurrection here in the chapter. The resurrection of a dead man. He, he touched the prophet. There's life through the death of another. Isn't Elisha a great type of Christ? Christ is the greatest prophet of all. And through Christ's death and resurrection. There's life for those who are still in their sins. You can have a miraculous spiritual resurrection. Through saving faith and contact with Jesus Christ. You can enjoy the beginnings of a new life. I wonder what type of life this man had after he was resurrected and revived. Let me ask in closing. What impact and influence have you got in your day and generation? Is it a good influence or a bad? Is it lived to the glory of God? Or is it to the shame of the Lord and his name? What kind of influence will we leave? When our day comes to be taken, will that influence still be felt? I want to say as I finish, I believe the life and influence of Dr. Paisley will live on in Ulster and elsewhere for many, many generations to come. May the Lord make it so for his glory.